0: You are listening to this week's sermon podcast from Life Point Church in Ames, Iowa. For more information, visit www.livethemessage.org. I really want every single person in this place to feel like this is their church. And to me, I have this vision of you walking into this church and no longer feeling like a guest, but feeling like you own this place. And I think the, the moment when that happens in a person's life was when they actually Start getting some skin in the game. They start serving in some way, and so we're trying to make this as simple as possible. That's why in the lobby we went to all the effort of making it super visible and a- and and easy for you to to find out more information about a team. Grab a card, fill it out, and we will follow up with you quickly. Um, we've gotten people involved really, really quickly, and so we want to we want to be a church, and, the, and the, as as a growing church. Um, we need more people to jump in and be a part to make this church the best that it can be. On top of that, this church is not as good as it can be with, with you sitting on the sidelines, so, so we need everybody. So glad you guys are here this morning, really, really am. I believe God's, um, you guys just put something on my heart that I'm very passionate about this morning. Uh, intimacy with God, relationship with God, and my simple prayer all week long has, has been that God would, would uh, give you fresh eyes to see what relationship with Christ can look, li- look like on a day-to-day basis. Do you guys know this, that God created you for relationship, specifically with others. God has created you. He's designed you to thrive in relationship with, o- with others. And in fact, you cannot thrive in isolation all by yourself. Research now shows, psychologists, sociologists show that even in infants who have all the uh, food and provision and sustenance that they need, they cannot thrive. They call it thriving or, you know, uh, unable to thrive without a connection or a bond with an adult. You guys have probably heard that. Um, well, now research is showing as they've done brain scans of these infants that actually parts of their brain don't develop right without a healthy connection or bond with adults. It's, it's crazy how science is continuing to just affirm the authority of Scripture. God has created us for relationship with others. And I want to take that even a step further. God has created us even more so for relationship with Him. That is why He created you. One of your primary purposes is to, is to be in relationship with Him. And, and I want to... Um, Proposed to you this morning that that relationship with Christ is a daily and intimate relationship that you can access and walk in on a daily basis. So my intent this morning is to equip you in, in a very practical way with the how-tos of the rhythm of intimacy with God. that I feel like every single person in this place can begin walking in in their daily lives. So last week I, I introduced this passage in John chapter 7. Verses 37 and 38 where Jesus stood up before the, the religious uh, hustle and bustle of, uh, of Jerusalem. He said, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Jesus stood before the crowds and with boldness said, are you guys thirsty? I see you're, you're kind of running all over like chickens with your head, heads cut off. He says, hey, come to me and drink from me. The longings of your soul will never be quenched until you come to me and drink. And he says, when you do begin to actually experience what he's going to give his life for, it's like streams of living water will flow from within. He uses that imagery, that powerful imagery or illustration. Some translations say it's like a spring bubbling up from within. So last week, we, we started using this analogy of a well to describe, to give uh, picture, illustration of our relationship with Christ. We're digging a well. We're establishing a well in our lives that we're going to continue to go, ba- go back to day after day. We're tapping into this life-giving stream of water, living water that Jesus gave his life for. So last week, if you were with us, we talked about how Jesus did not give his life to start a religion. He did not, he did not spill his own blood to start and sustain this man-made, stale, dead religion, which we're all so familiar with worldwide. Now, Jesus gave his life to purchase back relationship, to make things right. This massive, massive divide between humanity and divinity, Jesus bridged by giving his own life. And that's what, for him, it was, it was worth it at that point. The value was there. You, you had that much value he so wanted relationships that he'd give his own life. And so if you remember, last week I brought my shovel. I actually brought my shovel back, so I should have brought it up here. But last week I had my shovel because last week was the most difficult message out of all of these. Because I had to bring this shovel because it's difficult work getting through the tough exterior of religion that we all tend to. The reason religion has left such a black mark across the globe is because humanity... Defaults towards religion. Religion is is man-driven human effort, controlled by us. It's calculatable. It's 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 uh, you can calculate it. You can measure it. It's it's very tangible. You feel like you can put a badge on your on your uh, on your lapel, and you're feeling good about yourself. We we dismantled um, religion last week. the 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 spiritual pride of religion. And talked about how Jesus gave his life for relationship. I'm praying that that was received well by you as, as I, I felt the sense of humility in this place, that God is drawing all of us to this place where we die to self effort and dependence on ourselves, and we start to fall on our faces before Jesus as the sufficient one. He alone is sufficient and able to purchase back relationship with God. So you don't have to keep waving your arms trying to get God's attention. Jesus got the attention of the Father by giving his life for you, in your place. So Jesus went the distance, and he is sufficient as we fall on our knees before him and daily start depending more and more on him, less and less on our own effort. We talked about that last week. We all long for recognition from others, respect from others, all that's religion. When we do that, we try to build ourselves up by what we've accomplished, no, we're more and more dependent on Christ. He is our greatest prize. Our eyes are fixed on Jesus. Is the thing that our hearts long for. When you do that, you've broken through the tough exterior of ground with, with our awesome shovel, and we've, we've accessed something. It's this aquifer of life-giving water that's below. And what do you do when you've, you've drilled a well? You've, you've accessed the aquifer b- below. Now you have to establish the well. You have to put in a hand pump. You have to to establish some sort of place to start coming back to day after day, week after week, year after year. So last week I talked about my time in Rwanda, Africa, drilling water wells. So I included a picture of a well that we drilled in a village. This actually was a village ravaged by HIV AIDS. Most people had gone there or the government had put them there. Uh, Ninety-some percent of the people had HIV AIDS. But this was us developing the well. Developing the well, establishing the well, means you're pumping it to make sure it's, a, it's an adequate source of, of water. The, the aquifer below is adequate. On top of that, you're, you're uh, constructing a, a concrete pad, a drainage pad. So obviously the ground doesn't erode below the well, below the, the flow of water. You're, you're establishing something that for years these people are gonna continue to come back to as a life-giving place. And I would propose that in our own lives, There are certain rhythms that we can establish in our lives that will establish the flow of life and relationship with Christ day after day, week after week, year after year. These are things you're going to continue to come back to time and time again. So my simple statement of truth this morning is this. The rhythm of your life can create an invitation to know Christ more. The rhythm of your life can create an invitation to know Christ more. We all live busy lives, like right? I'm I'm in the trenches with you all. All of our schedules are full. We have a lot of demands vying for our attention. And I would propose, I would be bold enough to say that the rhythms of the day-to-day, Monday through Sunday, are either an invitation or an obstacle in our relationship with Christ. And so this morning, very practically, I'm going to equip you with some some thoughts regarding the rhythms of our daily lives, that I feel like invite the presence of God, invite this daily intimate relationship with Christ more and more in your life. And I'm praying that you'll leave this place feeling more equipped to be like, okay, this is how I can begin living differently Monday morning, to begin inviting the presence and the life of Jesus into my life. So if you have your Bibles, turn back to Philippians chapter three, which is where we were last week as well. Philippians chapter three, we're going to continue to look at the testimony of Paul. Because he had such a radical conversion from religion to real relationship with Christ that it just provides an amazing um, point of reference for us all to give us life. Let's pray as we open up God's word. Lord, I sense you're here and you're working at hearts. And for some, it's a, this is a brand new concept that maybe they've misunderstood Christianity. Maybe they've un- misunderstood what it means to follow Christ. They've always thought it's a matter of following certain rules and somehow trying to appease this far off God. I pray this morning by the refreshing truth of the living water himself that you'd open eyes. You would allow people to experience you in a way that translates to their day-to-day life. I pray over every single person in this place for streams of living water to flow through their lives, through their homes, through their families, into their workplaces, life-giving relationship, intimate relationship with their maker, their creator, Jesus Christ. I pray it in your mighty name. So Philippians chapter 3. We read the first eight verses last week as we looked at the testimony of Paul. If anybody knew religion, it was Paul. From the day he was born, he was, he was uh, fully entrenched in the religious system. He says, starting in verse 5, he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. His value grid, his paradigm was completely turned upside down so radically that everything he once valued, it's not that he just lowered its value in his mind. No, he says he regards it now as garbage compared to what his, the, the purest desires of his heart are, which is to know Christ. To gain this righteousness through, through becoming one with Christ. And so what's so subtle in Paul's language here is how, how quickly he moves from past tense to present progressive. Just, just think about this. He's talking about this is who I was. Then I encountered Christ. I no longer count it those things valuable anymore. There was a paradigm shift and every single person in this place needs a moment where your value grid gets turned completely upside down. That's what we were talking about last week. Everything you once valued, everyone patting you on the back, everyone recognizing you for all your awesome works and how righteous you are and how awesome you are, all that becoming like garbage. That's the paradigm shift of you surrendering yourself to Christ. Now Christ is the sufficient one in your life. He's the only one who is able to pay that price. So you can stop, stop, just trying harder and falling on your face before Christ, But almost instantly he switches to present progressive, and he talks about the current journey and daily walk he's in. And this, this morning, is what we're going to unpack. How he says, I so long to become one with Christ, and no longer count on my own righteousness. I become righteous, so he's, he's becoming righteous through faith in Christ. It's this, it's this here now and it's going to be here tomorrow, me becoming more and more like Christ. So much that, he says, becoming one like Christ. It's not that we're going to become gods. There are some um, religions that would say that. We don't believe that as Christ followers. But we grow more and more in likeness, almost as though we become one with Christ. He says, I want to know Christ more. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I would challenge you to declare that over your own life. To say it out loud. Say, I want to know Christ. You can say that in your own life. Even if you don't feel it. You're like, I don't necessarily feel like I love Jesus anymore. But if you just start saying, I want to know Christ more. That is an invitation for God to begin opening your eyes more and more. And for your heart's to be more softened to the things of God. I want to know Christ more. You can declare over your life what your new value system is. So this morning, I brought my, my bricks because we're, we're establishing the well. We broke through the ground. We, we discovered this amazing aquifer of life-giving water. And so this morning, what we're doing, I got a good head start here uh, with a few layers of bricks, but we are, we're solidifying the well we're creating a place in our lives that we can continue to come back to. So I'm gonna unpack a rhythm here which is gonna provide a structure in your life of life-giving flow of the streams of living water that Jesus himself described. And the first, the first part that gets this rhythm going is recognizing Jesus in your common space. Recognize Jesus Christ in your common space, your everyday life. Spaces and locations. God is not a respecter of locations. We are. It's humanity. We, we get all nostalgic about certain spaces. But God is no respecter of spaces. In fact, he, he split the curtain 2,000 years ago. The gospel narratives, they talk about that moment after Christ's death. The price was paid. And, and the, the portion of the earth that really got to host the presence of God it talks about in the Gospels how that was, the curtain was split, and now the Holy Spirit could be all over, and God could manifest or demonstrate his presence anywhere. The, the curtain was split, and Jesus talked about that, about that time coming. He had this conversation with a woman at the well, which is um, fitting for this morning. He had this conversation with a woman who was really hung up on spaces and locations. She's like, you know, my people, we think the place to worship God is on this mountain. And she said, but the Jews, your your people, they they feel like the place to worship God is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, oh, there's, there's a time coming. Actually, the day is here now when the true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, location's gonna be irrelevant. Come the day when the price has been paid, I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit and people can come into relationship with me anywhere. Locations become irrelevant. But I, I would propose that our lives so often are so busy and we get so easily distracted that sometimes we miss the subtleties of God's work in our common spaces. I like to think of the story in Exodus chapter 3 of Moses. It doesn't get any more common than this guy. He is herding his father-in-law's sheep in the wilderness. That's what it says. This remote wilderness near Mount Horeb. Here Moses is hanging out with the flock, right? It doesn't get any more common than that. And what does he see off to the side? What does he recognize? What does he have the, the spiritual awareness to recognize? But a burning bush. He's like, that's not normal. <laughs> I wonder if any other shepherds saw other experiences like that and they just kind of moved on. But he was able to recognize God's work in that place and it was in that place that obviously he had encountered with, with God himself and, and he was set on the trajectory to carry on God's redemptive plan with the people of Israel. But what's your common space, your, your, your workplace where you could recognize the work of God You have to have eyes that see it and recognize it and discern it. But I believe he does it. I want this morning for you to believe that God can show up in your kitchen. He can show up and work and speak to you and meet with you in your car. God can show up in your workplace just like Moses. Doesn't mean he's going to take you over and cause you to do crazy things. It simply means he's going to meet you in that place. He's going to give you what you need, even in your workplace, to represent him well, to do your work better. It's the way he works. Is in your common spaces, your common locations. I like to think of the story in Revelation chapter 1. The disciple John, the apostle John, he's on a remote island, this rocky island in the Aegean Sea, the island of Patmos. It's on this place. No one's one's declared this place as a a holy place for him to meet with the Lord. He wasn't on some spiritual retreat. (laughs) He was an exile on an island reserved for political exiles, and it was there. He said he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was able to discern what the Lord was doing in that moment. He recognized it. It was there, obviously, he had an encounter with Christ that we so treasure to this day. But this morning, I want you to think of your own life and think of the common spaces in your life because what you're doing is you're, as you begin to live with that type of mindset, as you live with that type of eyes to see and eyes to recognize Christ's work, you're, you're creating a rhythm that you can start coming back to year after year. You'll have an, a moment, you'll have an encounter, you'll have an experience where Christ speaks to you a Moses moment, a, a John moment. And that becomes a well for you to go back to. I remember that time the Lord spoke to me, that, that time the Lord showed up, the time the Lord just gave me a sense of his presence and his peace in that moment. It's not every day, it's not all the time necessarily. You'll know it when God is, is there, you'll know it. You don't have to muster up these feelings. It's real, it's tangible, and when he does, it creates a well, you're you're establishing the flow of life-giving relationship with Christ, and it's something you start going back to, day after day, week after week, year after year. So, recognize Jesus in your common space. Secondly, establish sacred space. It sounds like I'm contradicting myself right away. God is no respecter of spaces or locations. But you know who is? We are. We are so easily distracted. And sacred simply means set apart. And so I would challenge you and I I encourage people to find a space, a place where you can get alone with God. Some place where distractions are are at their minimum. Maybe a space that inspires you to go after God more. If the place you're at is uninspiring, then move to a place that inspires your soul. If the place you're at constantly is distracting you, then go to a space where distractions are less. That's what I mean by a sacred space. God is no respecter of spaces, but, but so often we are in and just giving you a glimpse into my own life, my, my sacred space has looked different in different seasons of my life. Now I'm in a very busy season with four kids in our home. So my sacred space, very often, unless I'm seeking the Lord with my wife, is not in our home. I have to get out of the house before the sun is up. And I found myself in my car. There's, there was a month, the streak of months where I'd just be in my car down at Lake Ada Hayden, spending time with the Lord and my cup of coffee. And it's awesome and I love it. There's been seasons where it's been in my office. There was a season in my life where, and all the men will be jealous, but my wife gave me precious real estate in our walk-in closet. I know, that's like a, uh, like a wonder of the world that uh, my wife would give me that, that sacred space. We had a massive walk-in closet. It was such a big walk-in closet, it had a window in it. And so I fit a desk in there, and my wife, I know, it's, cra- it's a crazy place. But, but it was there that I just, for months on end, I, that was my sacred space, the space that I would meet with the Lord. And I can tell you in a closet, the distractions are at a minimum. So I would just encourage you. I'd inspire you. I'd challenge you. Think of your life. And wherever it is in your life that inspires you to go after God and where you feel less distracted, find that place and go there. Because as you do that, as you begin to find that in your life, that rhythm, you're creating a rhythm in your life that's establishing something that you can continue to come back to. You'll taste and you'll see that it's so good and so rich, and you'll meet with God, and every day won't be this breakthrough moment, epiphany, revelation of who God is, but there'll be a number of days that will be. And as you do that, as you go to that sacred space, What you'll find is you're developing a well that you're going to continue to go back to week after week, year after year. Your soul will long for it even more. Hunger begets hunger in the kingdom of God. Thirdly, recognize Jesus in your unplanned time. Recognize Jesus in your unplanned time. Your day may be chock full. Every minute spoken for. So this isn't necessarily time you're setting aside for the Lord. But can I tell you that it's in those moments of the coming and going that relationship happens with with the people you love, right? Not all of relationship with people in this earth are just sitting down looking at them face to face, right? Some of relationship is on the go. It's, It's fluid and organic, and so it is with Christ. I think he appreciates when we think of our relationship and, and live in a way that reflects an understanding of relationship with him that's on the go and in the, in the, in the, in the moment of life, in the busyness of life. I love the story of John, in John chapter 21. Jesus had been crucified. He had risen from the dead. The disciples had had a few encounters with the resurrected Christ, but still they were pretty disoriented with what their next step was. And so John chapter 21, obviously a number of the disciples were fishermen. So what'd they do? They didn't know what to do. They went back to fishing. In John 21, it says they fished all through the night, and they were having just an abysmal time of fishing. They weren't catching anything. The sun starts to come up, and a man from shore, just kind of putting salt in their wounds, say, hey, how, how's the fishing going out there? They're like, it's not going well at all. And he says, well, why don't you cast your net on the other side? See what happens, you know. I'm sure the professional fishermen just love that, but they were humble enough to recognize in the moment. They put their net on the other side, and they have the, the catch of a lifetime. The nets are overflowing. So Peter does what any good captain does, and he jumps ship. He leaves the guys to do all the tough work, and he recognizes this Christ, and he swims to shore, And it's there that the risen Christ is. And I love it because this is the glorified risen Christ. The sacrifice has already been paid. But he reveals himself as a very down-to-earth, breakfast-eating, fish-eating Savior. So here in John 21, it's a beautiful picture. He had already cooked up for them a little fish fry there on the beach. It's a picture of the disciples eating breakfast with Jesus. Jesus. I tell you, you can eat breakfast with Jesus. You can invite Jesus into the hustle and bustle of your your morning craziness. And our house is crazy. Trying to get all our kids situated and out the door for school. It's crazy. But in the midst of all that, we can recognize what Christ is doing. How Christ is speaking. Through a word, through a moment, through a picture, through a song. I don't know how the Lord will speak to you in the moment. He'll bring a passage of scripture to your mind. And right then and there, if we're able, we can recognize it. And every time we do, I'm telling you, we are establishing a rhythm in our lives that we'll continue to come back to. At first it may be awkward. You're like, I don't ever feel like God's doing anything in, in my busy life. Like I'm, I'm too distracted and I'm my mind and my life are too full, but there's a moment when you give God a chance and you begin to recognize that possibly in the coming and going, he is trying to get your attention, he is trying to speak, and when you do, it'll become a moment you come back to and you'll be like, oh yes, I want more of that in my life. And what you're doing is you're establishing a well, you're creating a pattern, a rhythm that you continue to come back to a lifestyle. That's the word, that's the word, lifestyle. That's what we're talking about this morning. While you drive, while you cook, while you're walking to the water cooler at work, Christ can move, he can speak, he can give you a prompting, he can encourage your heart. So fourthly, you'll notice the rhythm back and forth here, establish plan time. You're recognizing Christ in the coming and the going, but you're also establishing plan time. I would encourage you to set aside time for Christ in your life, just like any valuable relationship in your life. If it's important to you, you'll set aside time for it. Jesus himself, we only got a glimpse of three and a half years of his life, right? But in his three and a half years, it's hard for any of us to compare our busy lives with the life of Jesus, because he constantly had crowds swooning for his attention right most of us in this place don't have that type of demand on our time or people just always want to be with us um, unless you're T.J. Reister like that doesn't happen in our lives but that was the life of Jesus people just wanting to be with him all the time and yet what was the pattern of Jesus he would set aside private time just to get away with the father so often it said he would sneak away to this private place time and time again there's six or seven references in the Gospels of Jesus just getting away to a private place. I would say if that was Christ's pattern as the God man, fully God, fully man, that probably should be a pattern a rhythm that we adopt in our own lives. I'd encourage you, if you're not setting aside a planned time to be with God, I would encourage you to do it even tomorrow. Set aside 15 or 30 minutes and say, okay God, I don't exactly know what to do. I, this may feel awkward at first. It's like starting a dance with a person if you're not a good dancer like me. But once you get into the rhythm of it, it'll begin to click and you'll, you'll begin to see God move and God show up and every time you do it, it'll get easier and easier and what you're doing is you're, you're establishing a well, you're creating a rhythm that you can continue to come back to. Day after day, week after week, year after year. Paul in this, in Philippians chapter three, he gives us this language of daily relationship. You and I becoming one with Christ because we're becoming more like him. That happens in relationship. You know, if you hang out with certain people, over time you start to become like them. Some researchers have actually shown how spouses begin to look like, married couples begin to look like each other over time. And obviously they get to know each other in a crazy, you know, intimate way over time. So it is, it's similar with Christ. We become more like him as we walk with him, as we talk with him, as we live in relationship with him. That's what Christ wants to do in your life. To a couple of closing thoughts. One is, when I traveled to Rwanda, and one summer we were, give, we were able to give 10,000 people clean water through water wells. Some of those villages we were drilling new wells, like they were either using some, you know, ancient form of uh, access to uh, aquifers through hand dug wells, or they were using surface water um, sources that were contaminated. So we were giving them fresh water, it was either new wells or we were repairing wells that had gone into disrepair. And I would just venture to say, in a a diverse crowd like this that would gather on any Sunday morning, there's some in this place who maybe there's been seasons in your life where you had a relationship with Christ. But you would say, you know, your relationship is not what it once was, or you know there's more. And it's like us going and repairing this well, you just got to get it some parts tweaked and greased up again and, and going. Gotta get the rhythm of that relationship going and sustaining a water flow again, and something beautiful happens for that village. Something beautiful will happen in your life as you reinitiate that relationship. There's others in this place you'd say, Drew, this is so foreign to me. The idea of relationship with God, creator of the universe. Oh. And so this morning it's like you're digging the fresh well. You're this is a new thing. I know there's both represented in this room this morning. I just know it. I've been intentional this morning as I've illustrated this idea of establishing well I've been very intentional to get on my knees because this is a bonus rhythm in your life that I just want to give you access to. I would encourage you I challenge you on a regular basis get on your knees before the Lord. There is something physical That's obviously a reflection of your submission to the king of the universe and the savior of your soul, but I feel like there's something spiritual as well as you're submitting your soul and your life to this one who's pursued you so passionately. I would encourage you to do that if that's something foreign to you. I'd encourage you in your daily life, on your Monday morning, as you set aside, whatever that time is, 10 minutes, get on your knees and just say, God, I don't even know where to start, but I wanna know you more. Declare that over your life. These rhythms, I believe it. I've been seeing it all week. I believe we're going to start stirring up streams of living water across our church. It's going to start something that sustains this church for years and decades to come. I believe it. He's reviving us. He's bringing us alive. He's bringing us fresh living water. For more information, visit www.livethemessage.org.